0: Next up, we're going to be discussing sentient beings, and more specifically, the comparison between rights given to sentient animals and artificial intelligence. And we're joined in studio by our good friend, Sean McCallum. How are you this evening, Sean?
1: I'm very good. Thank you very much for having me.
0: You're very welcome. Thank
1: you very much for coming in. So uh, maybe to start off, Sean, what does sentient being status mean? It's kind of like a, just a recognition
2: of animals as kind of greater beings than just tools for kind of human use uh, in, in different ways. Like there's kind of definitions of like the capacity to just have feelings and kind of be aware of their pain and their captivity and, and just different forms of that. And in a lot of kind of of a legal basis in trying to get more rights for animals, it's kind of one of the main arguments used and just that animals kind of deserve a bit more than
1: what we're giving them. Okay, so we treat them not really on equal with humans but closer to being humans, yeah. Yeah, so right
2: now we kind of treat them as things. So they'd be like a school bag or like a, like a pen to you. They're, they're not really much more kind of legal basis than that. Whereas like you can kind of argue to give them more rights um, where they can kind of not be allowed to be, like, illegally detained or kind of held in captivity, which isn't based on their kind of use
1: to humans. Okay, and what action has been taken on an Irish level to recognise animals as sentient beings then?
2: There's there's not been a lot on the Irish level. The kind of UK has been the main kind of major legislative force to, to bring in kind of recognition of these things. Um, the Irish legislation um, is kind of, it's new enough, but it's still kind of quite quite incomplete in, lo- in a lot of ways and like in Ireland the kind of there's a, still a kind of persistent fur trade with mink farming and we're the the puppy farm capital of of Europe. so there's a lot of a lot of kind of steps for us to still take
1: now. Okay, and what about in America or in an even wider global scale? Are the steps being taken as well?
2: There's not a lot on the on the, like the legislation or the kind of government front, but there's some interesting cases kind of coming on, on the courts which are using this um, using this kind of general principle um, and of being able to hold legal rights to get freedom for animals. There's one interesting case that's just coming up about Happy the elephant, who is um, an elephant in captivity in the Bronx Zoo, uh, and she's kind of she's been there for 25 years. She's an Indian elephant. Um, and she's kind of has passed all these tests of self-awareness, but is still kind of made to do these tricks, and is like kind of beaten with a bull hook when she kind of makes mistakes. So there's a big movement now for her freedom, and her at least to be moved to a sanctuary or a better area, and that's on May 18th in the Supreme Court.
1: um, Okay, so, and would it apply to... Does the intelligence of the animal uh, significantly impact the, the the attitude of litig um litigators when it comes to animal rights let's say would if a, an animal is way more intelligent let's say that um happy the elephant is probably more intelligent than a lot of cows would that then influence their approach to advocating for rights
2: in in the advocating there would be where like kind of it's more the lawyers would say that like chimpanzees would be one of the one of the main kind of animals looking for for these rights um but in the courts it's still such like a new kind of concept that's just coming up like a new frontier that while it's a sound legal principle and the courts can't deny it there's still a, a little apprehension just because it is still in the new stage of things um where it's but it would be more likely that yeah the more intelligent the animal the more likely kind of rights or these things would kind of get brought along
1: and uh, the more intelligent also the more endangered i suppose yeah. to a certain extent yeah. and w- would it one of the things that will pop, pop 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 into my mind are are the concerns of farmers hmm. and people when it comes to uh, particularly livestock. So I suppose yeah. there might not be much education there. But then when it comes to uh, unique animals who provide special things like um, uh, elephants, provide their. Uh, tusks tusks yeah. are used for pianos sometimes or, mm. or things like that. But there are moves then to protect them even yeah. further. Yeah, okay. And, um, Claire, then, you've been doing a bit of research into how artificial intelligence might gain sentient rights status. Could you uh, give a little synopsis of the debate around that.
0: Yeah, I suppose, as Sean said, like in the same way as Animal Sentience, it's a new enough, I suppose, playground, you could call it. Um, but saying that artificial intelligence is developing at such a rate in the last 20 years that there's no regulations being put in place really to kind of control it. Like, for example, my main I wrote an essay on this, and my main argument was there's a robot, a humanoid robot made in Japan that came to Saudi Arabia for a convention and she was ceremoniously granted I think she is a robot, it has no, like it is a robot. Um, I think it's a really important distinction to make then, you know, rather than to be kind of feeding into the humanization of it but she, the, the robot was ceremoniously given citizenship of Saudi Arabia which at the time like back in the day, like you couldn't, women couldn't vote, women couldn't Drive a car in the country without their husband's permission, and then and they had to dress modestly and stuff. Whereas this robot came in that was doing none of this and was given, in a sense, more rights than any living, breeding human person in that a woman in that country. So they're kind of saying, but there was nothing in place to stop them from doing that. Like realistically, they could give this robot citizenship, and the the robot these robots are being developed to have these human like emotions and reactions to the point where you could believe they were human and that's scary because that is complete robotics they don't actually have these feelings Mm. they can't, they have no capacity to pain to feel pain, they might have pain receptors put into them but that's not something they naturally feel whereas with the likes of animals like chimpanzees and capacity and elephants like they know, they're self aware enough to know that they don't want to be in in, in captivity but yet we're we're not allowed to give them that legal standing that they should be able to have some sort of say in where they live.
1: Yeah, and the interesting thing there I suppose is there's a key distinction that artificial intelligence um AI is built by humans to serve humans. Mm-hmm. Whereas animals I suppose and you were saying this before we came on air Sean that um they're we've got, uh, grown into this mentality of seeing them as our objects as seeing as, them as beneath us but in reality some, some animals have been along, uh, around as long as us or there's no reason why they should be treated um, less favourably yeah, exactly. And even with, like, kind of the, the welfare standing,
2: the kind of abuse of animals can be, like, justified for kind of commercial gain or human gain, even when there's different reasons for it. So that's kind of one of the main the main reasons that kind of granting animals these rights is kind of just, like, extending on the, the principle of, like, the AI and stuff like that. It's just kind of, like, a, a greater protection and seeing animals as, as different from th- as robots that are made to serve us
1: or designed by us. They're not
2: our tools.
1: And similarly to... Um the progress in legislation in Costa Rica the UK and, and stuff like that in relation to animal rights, Claire is there any legislation or uh, legislative debate about recognising AI as sentient beings? Uh,
0: the funny thing is there actually isn't enough, there's very whatever's being kind of put up now is more so legislation to protect corporations who are creating this artificial intelligence which is scary because people aren't concerned about this Kind of this ever growing industry and what could be done, what it could be used for but it's so funny because they're more they're less hesitant to do that because the robots look like us I feel is the driving force behind it whereas obviously with animals you obviously they're not the same as us but you're more willing to think a robot is the same as you because it looks like you and I think it's just like a a key distinction I always try to make when talking about like animal rights and stuff and welfare is that like if humans were to cease to exist in the morning the world in 50 years would perfect itself and it would live harmoniously if animals if if three different types of animals were to disappear like bees if bees disappear in the morning we would
1: be so rude. It's that old that old chestnut about if um, all human life were to end tomorrow and 50 years life would flourish yeah. and if all bees were to die all life would perish in 50 years. We've got to a point where we're abusing the earth so much um, and animals on it as well and where do you see then Sean um, where do you see things going then on an international
2: front first? So all the kind of dominoes are just being lined up with with smaller international cases. You can see India are doing some very interesting stuff with environmental rights, um, same with like Argentina, a lot in kind of the South American countries, it's really kind of growing there. But this idea of like kind of habeas corpus was just the legal way of saying you can't unlawfully detain someone capable of holding rights. It's being kind of set up in all these different areas. And in the Supreme Court now, like I said with, with Happy, it's this kind of big important case where we just need that like first major case to, to topple them all over, and and then we'll start to see and the set kind a of, precedent. Yeah, yeah, and, set right, yeah. Precedent.
1: and who are the main people? Generally, there's some big uh, brain behind it, or some big character behind it. Who are the main people and organisations um, behind the, the the strategic litigation for animals? So the main guy that
2: I follow on Twitter and all is a guy called Stephen Wise, and he's doing some really cool stuff. Um, he set up the non-human rights um, organisation, and they they've been taking a lot of these these lawsuits. Um, they've taken it with like chimpanzees and stuff like that and the cases that haven't passed through all the judges have been saying we like animals deserve more rights, but we just aren't comfortable giving them just yet. So he's trying to get these rights through more of a, a legal kind of the courts and stuff like that, much like kind of rights for slavery would have like initially started as well. Uh, and then in the in the happy's case, uh, Monica Miller is appearing on behalf of the non human rights project, and she's really cool. She's one of the youngest women to appear in front of the Supreme Court in, in the US.
1: Okay, and I suppose with a lot of things, that's where things um, where. Action happens first when it comes to rights. Uh, courts, rather than the legislature, the, the legislature has to be pushed mm. by a court. And then on a European front, are there any moves? I mean, we've been focusing a lot on South um, South America and America itself. Do you think that there'll be anything on a European front? There's not looking like there's any major issues. Again,
2: you can see like academics proposing like legislation and like growth in kind of EU general interest. There's not much kind of like as kind of like all the dynamic areas are more kind of in the global south or different areas there.
1: And it's uh, it's fascinating to see these different areas of law develop even with environmental rights that you're seeing cases being brought by children about their right to um, life and all that sort of stuff linking it with the damage that's being done to the environment and I suppose it's another um, another example of how that's uh, happening. Fascinating stuff and thank you both for um, researching it. If there's <laughs> anything else you both want to add before we wrap up for...
0: Well, I, I want to say to you, Sean, did you hear about the referendum that was held in Switzerland?
1: I did. I did hear
2: about that. Yeah. yeah.
0: So in a region of Switzerland, they had this um, this referendum basically to change like their constitutional to like allow for um, more rights for like near near human intelligent primates. Hmm. And they literally the country of Switzerland was huge upward because they were like they can't do this. Like this region can't do this. Yeah. And the central government were like, well, actually they can because we give more freedom to all these. These um, areas, and what I found so funny was, if any listeners it did fail. It failed <laughs> horrifically. Yeah, quite badly. But still, twenty five percent of people still wanted to give them mm. this rights, which I just think you already have one and four. So yeah. you know, yeah. Ten years time could be two and four. By the time it's three and four, we, a ha- we have a one. Well, the won.
1: key is to have discussions about it. Mm. Yeah. that's how any um g- good action is taken when you engage a community in it. And I suppose it's the first time that, that I've heard a lot about it that you guys did very niche esha- essays on mm-hmm. both topics. We're
0: quirky, what can <laughs> we say? Uh, so thank
1: you very much for enlightening me. And listeners, if you have anything to say yourself on your, on your opinion of having maybe a referendum on enshrining animal rights in our constitution or anything else besides, do get in touch with us on Twitter and Instagram at Panoramica Show.